All right, welcome to the Lorgoifs. I'm one of your hosts, Zach. I'm Justin. I'm Michelle. I'm Yosh. And uh, we're going to jump right in. I'm a cat story is back. Almond cat stories are back? Almond cat, yes. We've been missing them for like seven weeks. They're finally here. And uh, stuff happened. Yeah, uh, lots of stuff happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it starts off with... um, Gideon and the rest of the Gatewatch seeing a Johnny off as he goes who knows where, <coughs> Dominaria. <coughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's very strongly alluded because of the way uh, Liliana interacts with a Johnny that that's where he's headed. I was I was kind of off that, but it's 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 pretty apparent now. Anyway, and they all stealthily in Kaladesh kind of gather up, and Jace is like, "Huh, friends," huh? and then they all teleport off to. Uh, to Amonkhet in yeah, their own individual ways. That seems to be sort of one of the themes for the story. Is like what each one of them just looks around and is like, friends or tools in Liliana's <laughs> case. But, you know, still. Just useful. Like, useful. <laughs> and they arrive on Amonkhet and promptly just get blasted upside the head by this crazy dust storm. And they're just getting rocked. Like they were so completely unprepared. And the only one who can really manage any of this is Chandra because she deals well with the heat and blowing things. And she oh. <laughs> and she blows a fireball Blow. at a dune and makes a, a biodome, like a little a little glass uh, half sphere for them to hide under. And so they get a little respite, but they're all just like a little off kilter already because they showed up on this plane and it's already attacking them. And lo and behold, immediately after, zombies burst out of the ground and start wrecking them again. And so they're just getting hit left and right. And well, well, Lily oh, is like, Liliana jumps in. Yeah, she she's jumps like, in. She's like, zombies? I can handle these zombies. Zombies? <laughs> they're dead. They're this, mine. This is my forte. <laughs> All of you are belong to me. And she turns them against each other, and you know the zombies are easily dismantled. And then all of a sudden, giant worms from Dune appear. <laughs> <laughs> giant sandworms. Sandworms. Yep, and and it's funny because Nissa's just like, wait, wait, worms. <laughs> it's a worm. <laughs> the worms appear, and they're attacking, and Gideon's killing them, and everyone's killing them, and. Oh, but I forgot. Liliana probably gets eaten. <laughs> like one worm just bursts out of the ground and just devours Liliana whole. And everyone assumes she's dead, which of course she's not. But they're all fighting the worms and And, and Chandra gets all like all all capsy and no punctuation <laughs> again, which is like, give Liliana back! Oh my god, it's another sandworm. <laughs> <laughs> and then um Liliana, or Jace is basically useless, as usual. He turns invisible and runs and hides on top of a cliff and kind of thinks for a while, not really accomplishing much. And then Liliana uses the chain veil to burst out of one of the worms. She's like, a chest burster. <laughs> chest burster. Liliana has emerged this time around. <laughs> <laughs> and releases the chain veil and promptly collapses. It's mighty unfortunate. But eventually they, they manage to dispatch the worms. And just as they're... You know, convening with Liliana, it's revealed that they're secretly in The Walking Dead the whole time, and everything in this plane is cursed with undeath. So everything that dies returns immediately as a zombie. And so these giant worms self-reanimate and begin attacking again, and everyone's like, oh god, everything's going to hell, we're already being destroyed. And then the red god shows up. Oh, a giant arrow comes out of the sky, too. Yeah, that will. 
Or- yes, one of an, a, an oh, arrow of indeterminate origin. <laughs> Ketra. But then, <laughs> I wonder where we've seen a giant golden arrow appearing before on art. Hmm. But yes, and then the jackal-headed, speedy god appears, wrecks the, uh, the 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 zombies, turning them to dust just by touching them with its its cool forky staff thingy. Bident. Yes. <laughs> the, the new Biden. The new Biden. Kiora. <laughs> Joe Biden? Kiora has her eyes on a new prize. <laughs> and then makes eye contact with Gideon and is like, sup, I recognize your uh, fellow deity ship. And then takes off. Doesn't actually say anything, just kind of, you know, acknowledges Gideon and like they make eye contact and he feels the divinity. And all of a sudden, he's he's having a crisis of faith because he ha- he's never really come to terms with his whole issues back on Theros with the other gods, and the fact that this dark, unholy world could have gods just doesn't compute with him. And so he's he's kind of thrown for a loop by the existence of this clearly deity figure on Amonkhet. But he's he turns tall, yeah, like a good 60, 70 feet tall, classic uh, age of mythology style gods. And he turns his mind back to the task at hand, reconvenes the group, and sets them marching back towards these giant bolus horns in the distance. <laughs> Which they're like, how did we miss that? <laughs> <laughs> kind of obvious. Uh, and they crest a specific dune and see this paradise, an oasis surrounded by um, a bubble, a magic bubble, the, the, a biodome sphere that keeps out um, the wastes and the and the sand and the the zombies and they're kind of like oh this is cool i guess i guess this is what we're doing now roll credits <laughs> yeah i'm well so this is our first glimpse of amonkhet it's clearly a very harsh world that's just filled with undead and it's it seems to be kind of like a mix of tatooine with its two sons yeah um, which and- i think is going to be a thing coming later Oh, sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah, no, no worries. Is we've seen Bolus's horns situated throughout the world, and none of them have the Bolus head egg. They're just the horns. Mm-hmm. And there's one sun that is supposedly stationary. It never really leaves the horizon, from what we've said, which doesn't make sense astronomically. But you know, it, it, it for the purposes of this world, everything revolves around the plane rather than the plane revolving around the sun. Science, get out of here. <laughs> There's one sun that goes over and one sun that stays the horizon. So what I'm proposing is that that one sun is moving, but very slowly. And at the point when it lines up with, with the, the Nicobolus head eggs. Yep. And then the other sun goes behind it. So it's like a sun eclipse, but not. So the sun's align where the head eggs. Well, I, be. I don't know if the suns need to align, just that it needs to line up with They the, need to the align. Don't you watch. <laughs> Everything aligns. Don't, haven't you seen anything? Yeah. It's like that scene from Indiana Jones. Yeah. All yeah. the stars align. All the star, all of the lights align, and then you can find out where the tomb is hidden. And- exactly. But yeah. I'm certain there's some event coming when that eventually happens. The ground shakes, and then you hear a yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> it could be also that we're just in the head egg. We are the head egg? Maybe we are. Maybe I'm But then why are the bolus horns on the head egg? Wouldn't the head egg be? Well, you can't. Maybe if you look at the head egg really closely, like if you got up and, you know, in his face... And you could like get a microscope to the headache. Maybe there'd be little follicles of horns on the headache. Yeah, maybe it's like a cellular thing. Yeah, mm. like a Russian doll. 
It's a, it's a bolus within a bolus. Yeah, it's bolus. like that scene from Rick and yep. Morty where it's like everything is on the cob. Everything has bolus horns. Oh, God. Even the atoms are on the bolus horns. Um, so in terms of character development, we see each of the planeswalkers pretty much like stick to what they know. Um, I, I find it really interesting to see how Nyssa sort of reacted to the ley lines of Amonkhet and the fact that they were just all just death, basically. Yeah, like like some some issue has come up with Amonkhet that has diverted the ley lines away from their normal place. So they're they're desiccated, they're they're minimal. And it could be that they've all been channeled into these gods, these beings of immense power, or something else to Nicol Bolas's nefarious ends. Well, and so Amonkhet supposedly is made by Nicol Bolas, right? So maybe the ley so lines... There, there are two prevailing theories. One is that he made the plane himself. Which is possible. He was an old walker, you know, that they did that sort of thing. Or it's a plane that was mur- that was killed at some point. That he it was destroyed raised to the ground. Okay. And then remade. Exactly. In his own image. Now, there's also the theory that it wasn't Nicobolus, it was Obnixilus. Because back in the day, Obnizi himself used to wipe out planes for fun. And what about, as one does. What about Razaketh and all this? Isn't he supposed to be on this plane? Yes. Well, um, Liliana is is quite clear that her true intent on coming to Amonkhet is to rid herself of Razaketh, yeah, um, and that she's going to get the Gatewatch to do it willingly, but she hasn't hasn't put that plan into motion just yet. Yeah. But I mean, he could have been the raiser of the plane. We don't really know, but sure. But uh, that yeah, that would be a reason why they would need all the Gatewatch plus the Chain Veil to take that guy down. Yeah. But we'll 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 see. Uh, it was interesting that they formatted this specific episode so that it bounced around from each person, and it kind of irritated me that everyone was beating up on Gideon, who was the only one being competent in for the most part. <laughs> he was like, "Okay, so we have a mission. This is what we're doing." And Liliana and Jace are kind of like doing their own thing and not really paying attention and beating up on on Gideon. And I'm like, "This isn't necessary." I mean, Lily is is Lily. Lily's always going to see people around her as being tools to an end. I mean, she. I, I did like that bit where she is watching Gideon, you know, just take down zombies with his seamlessly Cyril. integrate with her minions. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, he's so useful." <laughs> That's like the best compliment that she could give him. <laughs> you're just, you're just so good mm. at like the thing you do. <laughs> All right, I like nice. that perspective. Yeah. But then Jace was just like, oh, Gideon is such a blunt instrument. Yeah. Like, I don't really get that. I mean, he, Jace did, like, one thing. He, I think he, I guess he tapped into the mind of the worm and made, like, a blue spectral scorpion. <laughs> he made a giant scorpion He made a giant eat. scorpion and then, like, lured away <laughs> one of the worms. Distracted it for all of two seconds. <laughs> and and then it didn't really work out quite as, as well. Yeah. <sighs> Illusions Jace, and zombies, yeah, just don't really mix. Yeah. I did mean, he see a scorpion? No, he like made a, he he reached into the worm's mind or something and and found its favorite food, which is this giant scorpion, and made an illusion of it and sent it skittering off across the plain to like draw the worm off. <laughs> and the worm was like, "Ooh, it's lunchtime!" and then uh, <laughs> went off that way after its blue flickery lunch. <laughs> and- also, there 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 are some issues with Jace's intelligence in this episode, where he he figures out that there's a possibility that Bolas may have more intel than they do or may know some things like um, Tezzeret may have told them stuff. Yep. But he's not smart enough to assume that Bolas knows and has already taken action and incorporate that into his plans. He's just kind of like, oh, maybe ignore it, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. There's a lot of 
this could be a possibility, but I'm not going to plan for it. And I think that's the opposite of what Jace's purpose is in the Gatewatch. If he's going to be their planner, he should be doing planning rather than acknowledging possibilities and ignoring them. I think that also Jace, Jace's skill set has just not been very useful as of late, except for that episode with Kari Zev, which yeah. we talked about a while back, where he managed to manifest a whole ton of ships and scare <laughs> Boom. people. That was pretty cool. That was awesome. And, and so it, it is a little weird, again, to see his, I guess, predictably, his his powers sputter out <laughs> again. Yeah. Well, he was Sherlock Holmes on Innistrad. <clears throat> he was Sherlock Holmes Except on he went insane. He didn't do anything of value on Innistrad. Like, a child could have figured out what he figured out given the I resources mean, he Tamio had. I Tamio was way ahead of him. He did save yeah. everybody from for a moment. From yes, that was a good thing, but that brain. was also not on his terms. That was through Emrakul. That was Emrakul saying, I need a way out here. You've erected a mind palace. Let me use that. And also, I'm going to torture your friends in the meantime. It just seems to me like... And break, break. your chessboard. <laughs> but they might, have all, they might have all been corrupted and turned into like squiggly things had he not done that. Right? <laughs> That's true. But I, I'm sure Emrakul would have found a way. So Emrakul got them all in her power. And if her goal was to get off Innistrad, she could have made that happen. Instead, she chose to put herself in the moon. Therefore, her end goal was to put herself in the moon. She, she had so many other options that, that this must be what she wanted. And so if that was her goal, she would have found some way to infiltrate their minds and get herself in uh, uh, trapped on Innistrad or, you know, residing in the uh, Innistrad moon spa, as it were. <laughs> so Jace's powers aren't just his illusions and his mind magic. It's his brain. That's, that's a lot of what he's around for because he's a supposedly a smart guy. You know, he's able to figure things out, but he just hasn't had any actual intellectual contributions to the Gatewatch. And that bothers me because he's, he's, a, he's a character that could be the most powerful, arguably, of the Gatewatch. And they just refuse to utilize him properly. Maybe they're saving that for later in typical magic fashion. Yeah. He also did, he figured out the ley line pattern, or the hedron patterns, right? How to make the, the uh, containment field. Mm-hmm. That is true. I think Nissa gave that to him, though. Oh, no, no, he figured that out. He figured out, like, yeah, Nissa helped him move them. Oh, yeah, she gave she gave him the, the lane line. Uh, yeah, so he gave him the, the power layout. to run it. But. but, but yeah, they needed, but he was the one that figured it out um, but, fairly. But still, yeah, he's... He's definitely not the most useful member of the Gatewatch. Well, yeah, not in combat, right? So in combat, he's the most useless. <laughs> he yes. definitely Most useless is, is correct. <laughs> I, I, I do feel a little bit of empathy for him because... You know, I, it, it reminds me of the times I've played in D&D campaigns, and I'm, I'm usually a rogue, and, and lots of times the, uh, the DM or the GM will just plop us into the middle of a, a combat situation where my skills are not necessarily <laughs> the most useful because, you know, as a rogue, I'm good at picking open locks, disabling traps, sneaking around people, and then knifing them behind the back, like in their back. You <laughs> shank, know, shank, just, shank. Just like, shank, 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 shank. And so um, in an open battle situation like this, like it's not really to my advantage, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not really where I, I shine. And we, we've seen Jason in the past blocks talk a little bit more about you know, why he's so interested in figuring out puzzles. And when he was on Ravnica, you know, that's what inevitably made him into the Guild Pact was the fact that he was like, what's going on? I'm going to investigate things. It's like a film noir thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it, it seems like he's still struggling to figure out where he sits 
in this group. And I think it's it's still very new for everyone. They're starting to meld a little bit in terms of their personalities and, and how they read each other and whatnot. We see this a little bit at the very beginning of the story when they're all like sizing each other up and being like, friends, I totally friends. have friends. So I think they're still trying to gel together like like flavors in a stew. You got to let it, <laughs> you got to turn on oh, the you heat want, and let it. You don't want your stew it, to taste like it'll, gel? It'll taste better the next day. It's one of those it, things it'll taste it. better the next day. The more, it's like a curry. <laughs> you got to mm. let it sit in the fridge for like a day or two and then yeah. it tastes better. <laughs> this has been Soup Tips brought to you by the Lord Boys. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't taste good now, wait 24 hours and try again. <laughs> but yeah, there were also, there was some minor issues with, you know, the, the Jace Gideon leadership where they're all in the in the glass dome Chandra's created and they're like, what's the plan? And everyone looks to Gideon and Jace jumps in. So there, 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 there's still a, a, a power balance thing going on there that they kind of need to, to figure out. But it's very characteristic of white and blue, right, though, because blue always assumes it knows best. Yes. Because blue is a knowledge uh, is a knowledge repository, and they, they assume because they have more information that that makes them better equipped to make decisions on behalf of everyone. That's another thing. Jace clearly doesn't have as much information as Gideon does. He should because he's a smart blue character, but they just haven't given Jace access to a higher intellect. You talk about like there being some leadership problems and Jace not having as much information as Gideon does. But the reality is when the story starts off with the author saying, with no plan and no information, five planeswalkers set off to take down an elder (laughs) dragon on a mysterious and unfamiliar plane. That's the leadership problem. there's, There's no leadership at all. You have the author of the story coming out and like, hey. Look at these stupid guys. <laughs> Look at these schmucks. Who do I guess they it's a little bit are? like saying, oh no, the bed is on fire. And then we're just like, actually the whole house is on Let's fire. Jump on it. There's, there's a bigger problem. It is the whole house. It's like <laughs> they fire. went to Amonkhet after one night with no idea what they were getting themselves into. They, they kind of jumped into this. And down the gullet of a sandworm in one case, which is unfortunate. And they arrive during a sandstorm. Look at these guys. They're getting pelted with sand, everybody. <laughs> I'm just the magic storyteller telling you the story. But oh my gosh, talk about woefully unprepared. Look at that Chandra focusing her fire into a beam of light, something she learned back at Giraper. Oh, she made a dome out of molten glass. Don't touch the sides of the wall, says Chandra. You might catch on fire. She says you won't pelt, catch pelt, on fire. Pelt, 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 Yep, yep. But that, is, that is mostly a thing that happened, yes. That is mostly a thing that happened. I mean, I, I actually really enjoy the descriptions of Lily looking really discomfited by the whole situation. She's yeah. like, I'm in sand. <laughs> I am slightly I, wilted. I don't like this. My mascara is running. I, I just, this is, I am not. No sand could mess with Liliana's makeup. That's true. Now that we all have been properly exfoliated. <laughs> <laughs> what I did enjoy about the story was I, as much as everyone hates, hates it, just the interaction between the monocolored planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Lily getting eaten by a sandworm. That was pretty funny. <laughs> was um, pretty funny. It was pretty funny. So it was ironic because they're the aliens on the plane, and then <laughs> they're bursting out of chest. They're bursting out of 
alien, like worm chest. That doesn't yeah, seem native. ironic to me at all. That seems like exactly the trope. Yep. But yep. it's it's like instead <laughs> of the worms bursting out of the 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 humanoids' chests, it's the other way around. That's what makes it ironic. But where, where are the aliens this time? Yeah, the worms are just like having a picnic. Yep. They're going out, you know, having their worm. Worm day, and these planeswalkers are kids indulging like, in scorpions. They're like, oh, yeah. look, it's my favorite food. Okay, just give me a minute. Like, guys. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that worm's birthday. They were all going to celebrate looking for some scorpions. One's like, oh, I Worst found this fancy thing to eat. <laughs> yeah, now it's bursting out of my chest and killing me. Like, uh. um. <laughs> Who brought these people? <laughs> Poor worms. <laughs> I know. So, uh, but the other thing I did enjoy was was how well the author really did immediately establish that this world is different. It's not just different because it's full of sand and because it has two suns and stuff like that. It's, and it's, the whole world is cursed. The whole world is cursed. We're I think on that's, Dune that's been cursed with the walking dead. Yes. Yes, pretty much. And... And so that's what is uh, going to be really interesting about, uh, I think, the rest of the block, because, you know, we clearly have seen mummies, mm. and mummies are different than zombies. Mummies and daddies? Mummy, no. <laughs> well, there is Daddy Bolas. Mm. But, um... <laughs> Daddy oh, Michelle, Bolas. Daddy, Daddy Bolas. Bolas. Is, is that what you called that? Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Don't bring my husband into this. <laughs> Oh dear! So, bet you miss talking about soup right now. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. These jokes are pretty superb. Oh gosh! Uh. <laughs> so, story in summary: a Johnny dismissed planeswalk to Amonkhet, get wrecked hard, worms by worms. sand zombies, and then worms, and then zombie worms. Uh, discovered that the plane is is cursed with the Walking Dead, and find a city. With bolus horns. And gods. And, and jackal god. Oh, yes. And, and discover that there are gods. A mysterious arrow that Wrath of God had. I, I think it was more of Council's Judgment. Council's Judgment. Yeah, that probably works, too. Because they, they got turned to ash, so they were pretty much exiled. That's and true. repurposed this as Biden. Yes. Yes. It's it's like a more metallic, kind of like it's hardcore stabby thing. It's definitely more streamlined. Yeah. It's Does it more have bolus horns at the end? No, it's just two prongy bits, but yeah. it could be inspired by and if you look at the uh, worthy champion playmat it's clearly being pointed at whichever worthy champion this guy is this so guy i think i think each of the gods has their own trial um and when people complete the trials they get they get blessed or something they get made worthy by the gods and um one of my favorite theories for amonkhet its entire existence is that it's a planeswalker farm for bolus He's creating this um, worship, this complete loyalty to himself while putting all these people through extreme duress and trauma and making them the strongest they can be in the hopes of igniting any latent sparks in loyal, powerful warriors. So he's got this entire plane dedicated to churning out the best possible warriors in the hopes that one of them happens to be a planeswalker so that he gets these awesome uber-powerful minions that are completely dedicated to him. I only like my planeswalkers organic. (laughs) (laughs) This is homegrown. This is locally sourced. Grass-fed, cage-free planeswalkers. (laughs) That's a pretty pretty factory farm to put in planeswalkers. I I wouldn't say that they're necessarily factory farmed. It's just they've been through a lot of rigorous testing. Hmm. So you know the product is pure. <laughs> this one is shaped like a dinosaur. 
<laughs> There's a dinosaur planeswalker? No, there's yes, not. Please. That's what I'm saying. This one's shaped like a dinosaur. There's no planeswalker in the existence of the multiverse that is naturally shaped like a dinosaur. How do, How do you, you know? know? Have you been everywhere in the multiverse? Well, have you I met mean, every planeswalker? Are there chickens on this well, planet that Sarkin are shaped can... like dinosaurs? Because that's where I was going with this. Okay. Sarkin can cr- transform himself into a dragon, which is kind of dinosaur-like. It's not the same. Dragons are kind of distantly related to chickens. Speaking of these dragons, how do you like the the crocodile look on their face? Crocodiles are are great. I'm I really it. like. I really dig the crocodile dragons. Mm-hmm. The crocodragons. <laughs> I like them a lot. Um, I think that it's a really clever take, and they, it just looks really good. It looks a yeah. lot more natural than the tiger dragons on Kaladesh. <laughs> as fancy as those were, they were gorgeous. These feel a lot more. At home. Yeah, they do world. feel a lot more at home. The world building for Amonkhet so far has been amazing. Yes. Um, the art has been stupendous. I am so excited. <laughs> From what little of it we can see on the cards that have been previewed. <laughs> oh, no. Invocation Gate. We won't get into Invocation Gate as it's not really lore related. But um, Well, we've got two minutes left. We do, I, have, we do have some feelings. It is lore related in the sense that there's a new design of the card. There are new depictions. And they're clearly made to look like they're um, ancient clay tablets that happen to be magic cards. That they're these these, you know... Uh, archaeological dig spells that you found that are in this clunky format with hieroglyphs and so on, and it's centered up, so it's kind of cuneiform, but it's it, it's paying homage to the the old frame of magic when you had smaller art and bigger border, but it just doesn't it doesn't sit well. Yeah, I I'm not a big fan of the all caps typeface for mm. the the actual like text on the on the cards not the not the creature type or the the name it, it really gives me the impression that we're shouting yes. whenever we cast these spells i cast force of will destroy all creatures it is an invocation I, I made the joke on on Twitter that was um, I guess you I guess when you're trying to talk to a god that's like sixty feet tall you should probably be shouting so that I can cast hear spell pierce how was that. Spell Pierce! Austere command! These two! (laughs) Not those two! (laughs) These two modes down here! (laughs) What was that? (laughs) These modes! I think that the design of the invocations is certainly different, and the hieroglyphs are kind of hard to read. They are definitely very tricky to read. Well, yeah, and the added hieroglyphs are just... Wholly unnecessary. Yeah, the hieroglyphed Latin letters are just very, very difficult. The Ds look like Bs, for example. So for um, like days looks like bays. And uh, bark ritual. Bark the new ritual. Mono green mana producer. Either that or it's uh, something that boosts hound tribal. <laughs> the eyes. Yes. Look, the eyes look like L's. So it's force of. <laughs> Forcible. And and there's like extra strokes and characters after after names. So force of, uh, no no, um, wrath of God. I think or is it uh, wrath of God? Looks uh, there's like an extra line after God. So it looks like Rugati, la, uh, wrath of God, Godi. Wrath of Godi. What up? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see and and see if the actual cards themselves look better than the spoilers that we've been getting. From what we've seen, this, the the foiling is very mediocre as well. Well, I mean, we'll see what it's like in person. I mean, Trick's not, 
you know, the the most amazing cinematographer. His, his little video didn't quite do the trick. But, you could say. but the art is amazing. Oh, gorgeous. That's the best Wrath of God art I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. No, I, I wish it was larger because then I could understand yeah. what was going on. For example, uh, Cryptic Command. I don't know what the Ibis God is doing. It looks like he's taking a shower. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely Birdie's certain that get is clean. the case. You know, like, oh, the dust bath. Choosing two modes, wash and, and rinse. <laughs> wash. <laughs> rinse and repeat. Oh, rinse and repeat. Oh, oh, rinse and repeat. Here's a, here's a question for you. Can we assume the god's color identity based on which cards yes. they show up uh, in, in the fact, inventions, you the think? the two gold cards we have seen, uh, Vindicate and Maelstrom Pulse, both feature the crocodile god, which uh, along with respective white god that we know and Giddy. green god that we know. So Snick. it is, yes, Snick. It is implied that each of the, so mo- the implied strongly that each of the gods is monocolor. Yeah, the birdhead god appears on all yep. the counters, yes. right? All the blue cards. So it, it uh, I would posit heavily that it is cycle of five monocolor gods and the five remaining um invocations that we haven't seen are one in each color oh we haven't correct seen we, there, there are five that are oh. going to be in amonkhet itself like in um the expeditions and in the um, inventions. Uh, inventions but yeah they're they're holding those off for a while until they show us the actual new cards so you think the the five missing invocations are going to be the gods themselves i think they're going to be spells uh i'm tempted to say they might be well, no, they wouldn't do the aftermath spells in this this format. It doesn't fit, but they're going to be five spells because it's heavily weighted towards uh, instants and sorceries. From what I'm I can a little see, bit the concerned that they will be the gods, and yeah, I think be. that they might be enchantment gods. They are not going to be enchantment gods, <laughs> or, or by something any means. similar. Um, Maybe they'll be like dual caught. Cast. Yeah, they might be dual cast or, yeah. or something silly. They'll like steal that. from the craft. I invoke thee, Memnark. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we will see, but um, I, I do think the gods are monocolored. I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, Bird God just seems to like take showers and, and deny everything. Um, <laughs> he likes to be clean and say no. Um, Speaking of staying clean. Washing and repeating. Mm. Rinsing and repeating. And rinsing and repeating. Of course. All. With clean. with uh, Gideon, Oath of the Gate, Wash. Ah, are those, those a, are new sponsors? Which is a new product. Oh my by god, Hasbro. I saw the new bottles. I love how they have like little plastic heads of the planeswalkers on top. So yeah. you can like you know, you can just twist Chandra's head up and then like deposit it out of Oh her my god, head. no. It's also <laughs> wonderful for stress release too. Oh yeah, no, it's great. You're oh, mad. Pl- you're no, mad Justin, your... this is so wrong on so many levels. Especially Chandra. Not this. Chandra really she really makes me mad sometimes. <laughs> You she just, blows her top. You know she what? Does. Let's let, let let's <laughs> let's top. cut to this sponsor commercial <laughs> and uh, show you exactly what they've got in store. All right, I'm we'll, so excited. We'll be right back. Now you can take your favorite planeswalker to bath time with Oath of the Gatewash shampoo and body products. Are you a man? Yeah! Do you like manly man dangs? Yeah! Try the new Gatewash Gideon 3 for one shampoo, body wash, and industrial degreaser. Use it on your mane! Yeah! Use it on your muscles! Yeah! Then use it on your mobile garrison! Hells yeah! Also introducing the Lady Gatewash Collection. 
Light up your lather with Chandra's sassy shampoo, lightly scented with mangoes, citrus, and cinnamon for a little spice. Awaken your hair's natural volume and shine with the moisturizing elementals of Mrs. Shy Girl Conditioner, complete with over 40 different Zendikari plant essences. Indulge your dark side with Liliana's Bitter Blossom Body Wash. Bring your beauty back from the dead with an infusion of licorice, forbidden flowers, and, and a, a hint, hint of vanilla. You'll have both the dead and alive cowering at your feet. Now, for a limited time, each bottle of Oath of the Gatewash includes a premium foil Magic the Gathering playing card. I got him, Jace the Mind Sculptor, but I didn't realize until it was soaking wet. <laughs> New Oath of the Gatewatch products by it Hasbro. Happens to me. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Continuing with our now weekly segment, the Rogues Gallery. Uh, today we've got Obnixilis. Obnixie himself. Obnizi, what up? The the O B, if you will. <laughs> OB, OB, I'm like, I don't well, think like I the want OG, to. Go, I, I but like the OB, talking right. about fillings. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll fill you with All darkness right, and let's, despair. All right, let's get back on and, the PG track. <laughs> <laughs> so, once upon a time, there lived a man named Obnixilis, and all he wanted was to destroy the world. And so he set about and he raised an army on, on his home and um, set to work. He learned dark magic and brought war to his world. He waged it pretty good He as a strategic mastermind uh, and a truly charismatic man. He's and kind so, of the anti-Gideon. Yeah, very, yeah. very much. And Do we so, know what plane this was? Uh, nope. No, unnamed because unnamed he plane. destroys it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so at one point, he's brought the world to its knees, but two remaining nations betray him and ally against him. You know, his army is beaten, and and so he finds one of their leaders. He kills the guy in combat, which technically means he's he's the winner of the war, but since no one would believe him because he also instantly murdered the guards with his death magic, he's forced to flee with his few remaining loyal lieutenants. And as they ride off on fancy horses into the hills, they come across this cave that leads down to this deep, dark, dank, uh, demonic, uh, ritual place. A lot of D's today. You know it. Oh, PG. Yeah. PG. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you keep walking into it. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> and so he recognizes it for, for the power it is, knowing something a little bit about uh, dark rituals, and promptly sacrifices all his lieutenants to fill up these coffers with blood. And black mana. When he does, it summons a number of, of demons or dark entities from outside the world, and they plunge into his body and pull out his deepest, darkest desire, which is to have everything die. And in an instant, they kill every living being on the plane. Just like that. And so he, he walks out and sees the dying horses and the dead men, and he wanders the world for a while, seeing the decay and the, everything is just has just dropped dead. And these things are all a part of him now? 
are still in him, or are they just kind of no, they, they, they in just jumped out again. Yeah, uh, he he can call upon them, sort of. Anyway, he 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 knows they're there, but he sees that the world is dead, and uh, at that night he makes a campfire and realizes that. He's finally won. He got what he wanted. And he falls over and laughs his ass off and his spark ignites from that that revelation. And from then on out, he makes it his duty to go and destroy worlds. Obnixilis, destroyer of worlds. Exactly. Because he's an old walker. This is pre-mending. Uh, for for pers- perspective, he's not quite as old as Soren, but he's older than Nahiri. So he's... He's the big bad dude. And at some point in his travels, he comes across the chain veil and sees it as this immense power and tries to use it. And it doesn't like him as much as it likes Liliana and it curses him. And in trying to get rid of it, he manages to, to, it doesn't want him as much as it wanted Liliana. So he manages to put it back on Chandelar, but it has cursed him and is slowly turning him into a demon, similar to what happened to Garrick more recently. But in order to fight the curse, he makes his way to Zendikar. But the moment he steps down, Nihiri appears out of the rock and jams a hedron in his face and then disappears, forever binding him to Zendikar. And stripping him of much of his power. And his spark. Exactly. So he's he's now bound to Zendikar, stuck in his demonic form, unable to fight the curse, and stripped of his ability to move from plane to plane. And he is pissed. And somehow, in the thousands of years since, he never encounters Nahiri again, because, you know, she's off doing things, sleeping. and Stuck in a hell vault. Exactly. Um, but he learns everything he can about Hedron's. Um, and sets plans in in motion so that one day, um, well, he he meets every planeswalker that comes to Zendikar and tells his story, so that they know not not the full story, but you know the whole Zendikar's wild mana has kept me trapped, and I got a hedron in my head, and it's got special magic, so that <laughs> one day some planeswalker will will come and help him remove it because he can't do it himself. And so, you can imagine him just appearing in front of like <laughs> visitors to the plane, <laughs> telling him the story. And then he's like, I can offer you information. Yeah, he's like a tour guide. Exactly. He shows up in like a Zendikari Hawaiian t-shirt. <laughs> he's got a safari cap. <laughs> a safari cap with a hatron like sticking out being like. Tells you a story and then he's like just awkwardly kind of holds his hat out like, okay. <laughs> time for the tip. T- tips. <laughs> tips. <laughs> just the tip. And um, here we have the mighty caves of Balagad. <laughs> Anyway, so eventually his plan comes to fruition when Jace learns of his mystical hedron in his attempt to cure Garrick of a similar curse. And so he comes back to Zendikar and tracks down Obnixilis, who realizes what's happening and puts up just enough of a fight to not arouse suspicion from Jace, who uses some magic he's picked up from Abyssin to pull the hedron out of his face and use it to uh, halt the curse on Garrick. But the moment the Hedron is gone from Obnixilis, he can start setting the rest of his plans in motion. He has become unshackled. He's no longer bound in the same way he was. He doesn't have a spark back just yet, but his wings return, and a small measure of his power as well. So is Garrick with Jace this whole time? Or? No, Garrick's, Garrick's off doing his thing, killing, killing people, other people, as one does. Jace, how does Jace... Um, Jace tracks him down as well um, and uses magic and stuff. It's it's so, in Magic Duels 2015. It's a so does line. he stick the Hedron in Garrick's face? I don't think it's in Garrick, but I think he uses the power of the Hedron to dampen the curse. It's not gone. He's not stripped of his uh, ties to black mana, but it's no longer killing him. 
Oh. So he's like, I'm in control of this. I like killing people now. This is who I am. Don't mess with me or you will die. Because Garrett can see through Jace's illusions and he's like OP and he's going to be a great boss battle someday. But right now we're talking Obnixilis. And so he starts um, digging down into Zendikar, tracking down the um, uh, Colney Heart, which is the supposed magical center of Zendikar. And he finds it. He knows where it is. He's been there a while, a couple thousand years, no biggie. And he starts to figure out ways that he can use it and some and some other things. He's got other plans to reignite his spark. Just as Obnixilus is about to eat the colony heart, Nissa, this dumb meddling elf, shows up and ruins all his plans and drops a mountain on him. I would have gotten away with it <laughs> if it wasn't for those meddling elves. And her dumb elementals. <laughs> and so... Um, he, begrudgingly. Mistakes her, he mistakes her for Nahiri or a, a follower of Nahiri. Yes. He thinks she's somehow in league with, you know, he, he, his only other arch nemesis on this world because if she has a similar tie. Like Nissa and Nahiri are way more related to Zendikar than, than they ever allude to. It's kind of strange. They're basically the same person in terms of their tie to the plane. But anyway. And she's like, Nahui? <laughs> Who dat? I don't know no core girl like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so he begrudgingly removes the mountain from his chest and arrives on the scene of Ulamog's capture just in time to see the Hedron Network come into alignment. Now he, apart from Nahiri herself, is probably the foremost expert on Hedrons themselves. So he sees the perfect opportunity to reignite his spark. And he jumps in, and he realigns the Hedrons, setting Ulamog free, and then points all the ley lines of Zendikar at himself and channels the full energy of the plane through him. And that just manages to reignite his spark, and he becomes Obnixilus Reignited. Much cooler art in the dual decks, by the way. Yes, much cooler art. But he is slowly, as he's been unshackled, his form has started to return to human. You can see how um, his his demonic faceplate and the lines on his chest are the, uh, the carvings of his armor that he used to wear as a human. And so he's starting to emerge, and there's some really cool pictures where you've got, like, it's sort of metal coming out of his forehead, and you can see how it was armor. It's, he's looking mighty fine. Um, <laughs> and so he's now returned to his power, though not godlike, as he was an old walker, but he's still filled with the energy of Zendikar. And in his, you know, fury and his grandeur, he yells one word, Come to Kozilek down beneath in the in the heart of Zendikar, who is summoned by his call and arrives to join Ulamog in the wrecking of the living Zendikari. Total badass. Like Obnixilus is the coolest. And Does he come immediately? Yeah. He or just immediately pops up out of the earth. Yeah, I mean, Kozilek's just like, like hey. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, that you Obnizi? Yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> and so then Obnixilus like, turns. He's in the bathroom in. right now. <laughs> <laughs> he sees down below him Nissa and a number of other planeswalkers. And he's like, oh, it's that mind mage. I'm a wreck him. And he charges down and with a single punch nearly takes Jace's head off. But Jace manages to mind attack him just enough that he only fractures his jaw instead or shatters his jaw. You know, it's the same thing Cheekbone, when you got magic. Or something. I don't yeah, know. Some face. Punches him really hard in the face. Would have decapitated him. Been great for magic. But instead, they couldn't. <laughs> so then he subdues Nyssa, who's having some issues. Um, and takes on Gideon, who he recognizes as a better fighter than he is. 
Um, but what Gideon doesn't realize is that Obnixilus has a ridiculously high pain threshold. His body is basically useless to him. And so he allows Gideon to maneuver him in what would normally be a perfect submission hold, breaks Obnixilus's knee, and while that pressure is on him, Obnixilus is able to re-maneuver, since he doesn't care about this insane pain in his leg, and put Gideon face down in a puddle of water. And almost drowns him, you know, knocks him out. He gathers up those three members and puts them in a, a, a time capsule, essentially, as he mind controls a number of Kozilex minions. Because being rightfully pissed at being trapped on Zendikar for a few thousand years, he thinks he'll, he'll subject these few to a, a similar time dilation of the dying of Zendikar. Uh, meanwhile, Chandra has returned, sees all this going down, tracks them down, starts attacking Obnixilus, but gets totally dismantled because dude's a thousand-year-old, several-thousand-year-old demon godwalker still filled with the power of Zendikar. But Jace manages to reach out to her and convinces her to blast the things that are trapping them instead. And through the power of teamwork, they're able to kind and of... friendship. Exactly. They're kind <laughs> they're of not, able they're to... They're not friends yet. It... <laughs> they're merely like <laughs> cool An awkward acquaintanceship. <laughs> yeah, it's like the first semester of high school still. Yes. You know, like you're in homeroom with them. You, you know them. They're like, what's your name high. again? Jace. Jace, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then the four of them about face, and Obnixus is like, well... I mean, I'm not interested in taking on all four of you. This world's going to die anyway, and you'll die with it. So see y'all later, suckas, and dips. And that's the last we've, we've seen of him. The poof of smoke. For the moment. His, his, like, little planeswalker, planeswalking away is just like... Don't worry, my pretties. I'll <laughs> come and find you. <laughs> fiery, fiery boulders and a wisp of smoke. And yes. Pretty much. So he, gone. he's, he's gone temporarily, but he's a great example of a, a perfect recurring villain that they could have. Not quite of the caliber of Nicol Bolas. He's not this ancient elder dragon with plots spanning centuries and many different planes, but he is this immensely power hungry, charismatic, intelligent villain that could muster armies or just present an, a, a massive force all by himself because he is a match for at least three of the Gatewatched combined. And especially on his own home turf or when he knows uh, what they're capable of, he, he could bring a lot of power to bear. What I find really interesting about Obnixilus is the fact that it, he is a black-aligned planeswalker, but the way he manifests and uses that mana is very is different from the way that Lily does it. Lily yeah. is all about necromancy, bringing things back from the dead, manipulating the dead to do her bidding, and it's a very, like— it's very much like a re- reuse, recycle kind of a situation. Right. Lily's very much a death magic kind of guy, yeah, kind of girl. He's just, and, but yeah. Obnixilus is a life magic, which is really interesting. He's like anti-life. He's like yeah. not, not even part of the cycle. He mm-hmm. just shuts the whole cycle down. Really, he like <laughs> shoots. Um, he he emits like anti-life energy from yeah, his he, hands. He saps the power out of you, whereas Liliana puts power into dead things. Obnixilus takes your power for his own. There was, uh, there was, I think, an episode of Heroes where there was a, uh, a person who could, like, touch people and then just, like, drain them. Mm, almost like Rogue. So what, <laughs> what's the difference between Obnixilus and Soren, then? Soren's vampiric. He deals with... Uh, mechanically... It's a little more Soren gains life, whereas Obnixilus gains power. But Soren's white now. 
he does token making. He's he's very vampire centric, whereas Obnixilus is kind of a force unto himself. So in that vein, I, I I've been wondering myself since we've talked about the origin stories of the principal planeswalkers. How does a monocolored planeswalker become a multicolored planeswalker? So Obnixilus was originally pitched or was argued by Mark Rosewater to be a red-black planeswalker because we haven't had one of those in standard since Rise of the Eldrazi. Still haven't. But they printed uh, Duretti and Genius Iconoclast in Conspiracy, which was very good. Wasn't Sarkon the Mad also red-black? Or That is the oh, red-black right. planeswalker in Rise of the Eldrazi. Oh, okay. So it's I thought been he, a while. I thought he was... Oh, oh right. You're <laughs> correct. You're correct. But yeah, so he... Um, a lot of it could be story-wise, whereas something has changed and dramatically altered who they are as a character. Ajani goes through that, where he was, when he first ignited, he was fueled by uh, vengeance and rage for the death of his brother. And so he was a red-white planeswalker. But as he came to terms with the death, he became mono-white, where his power set really was. And then as he realized he could help others and kind of put his energy into building up his allies, he acquired green. And so he's kind of evolved, and now he's this this green-white character. He also came from the plane of Alara from the Shard of Naya, Naya. right? So mm-hmm. I would like to probably assume that he maybe had access to green and red mana in addition to white mana just because he happened to grow up in that shard. Another planeswalker that did gain a couple of colors has been Tamio. Which mm. is is very interesting. Hers doesn't make as much Lorthos. Forthos. Doesn't make as much Forthos sense. <laughs> that was basically so that they could fit her in the block. She's really a mono blue character, but you could stretch her to think Bant style, where it's it's blue for the good of the collective, um, where she's kind of trying to remain uh, separate from the worlds she's observing, but she's trying to see things as they are. So. She doesn't make as much sense as a Bantwalker, though it it does fit if you stretch it. Ajani also definitely was from the the Shard of Naya, so he had access to those three colors. But you have to believe in the the color in order to use its power, which is why Nicol Bolas, in search of all power, all, all things powerful, would love to use white and green magic, but he doesn't. He doesn't have that belief system in him. And Nico Bolas is from from Grixis. Nico Bolas is from way back when Dominaria. Dominaria. Are, okay, not Dominaria. Oh, actually, we don't know yeah. where the Elder Dragons are from, but he spent a lot of time on Dominaria. He he is Grixis. Those are the three colors he can he he has access to. Grixis, by the way, is a uh, uh, blue, black, red. Correct. Uh, Naya is white, red, green, mm-hmm. and Bant is white, blue, green. Nailed it. So far, we've had two white planeswalkers change to red-white planeswalkers because, quote, they got angry. That's, that's literally the only reason they acquired red. That's what you do. And uh, Sarkhan, who was supposed to be Jund on Dragons of Tarkir, because those were the three colors he was, he was acquired blue because it was a wedge uh, block like that they just wanted him to be able to see play in standard. So again, we've had a couple of planeswalkers that have acquired colors not for story reasons, but for getting it into getting to fit mechanically reasons. And then uh Garrick <clears throat> Garrick is gets, one of the few gets ones. Gets cursed yeah. and then gets black. Yeah, he gets cursed with a chain veil, starts becoming a demon and picks up some black to go with his green. 
So how does Garrick's, I guess, because both Garrick and Obnixilis are, are, um, have been cursed by the chain veil. Mm. And, but they don't manipulate black mana in the same way either. True. Yeah. Because uh, as far as I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, Garrick's access to black mana is all about just kind of just like bringing things that are big and powerful back from the dead and just wanting to kill them. So it, it kind of takes the <laughs> dark, well, it, strong things will survive as part of green. So yeah, and then pa- black is all about like, I will do what I must in order to preserve power. Green or Garrick's black is uh, making his beasts more deadly and representative of his desire to kill things outside of the natural cycle. He's become a hunter of the greatest game, Planeswalkers. He wants to kill things because he wants to kill them, not because it's part of nature. So when green and black get together, often they focus on the death side of the life cycle. The black magic that Garrick picked up is not necessarily tied to the chain veil, like Obnixilus isn't, because he was already a black mage. He simply used the chain veil to amplify his powers. Um, Garrick's, the curse did change him black, but I don't think it's a power set directly related to the chain veil. Gotcha. And, and, you know, Garrick is also quite different than Vraska, who is another green black planeswalker. Who we'll be seeing this fall. In Atlazan, maybe. Oh, I'm so pissed they moved the announcement day. It was supposed (laughs) to be on Friday and they pushed it to June. Ah. Well, I guess they gotta they gotta ha- get some time in order to fix the invocations. Maybe I don't know. It's too late for we'll that. We'll see. We'll see. Could you run that by me one more time? So every six months, starting a year and a half ago, they've started doing announcement day, which is when they tell you about every single product that's going to come out for the next six to eight months. And it was supposed to be March thirty first, which is this Friday, and literally last minute, last Friday, they were like, "Just kidding! It's it's in June now." Because we have a bunch of other products we want to talk about, and we don't want to tell you right now. So it's the equivalent of, um, like, we knew about Amunket before Kaladesh came out. And now we're not going to know about Atlazan officially until right around when Hour of Devastation is coming. I was looking for uh, Atlazan, or the announcement for Atlazan, and that was so-called spoiled when they leaked... Uh, packaging for Amonkhet, Hour of Devastation, and Atlazon packaging. All with, and, and then Wizards came back and they said, uh, no, actually, uh, these are just some ideas that we yes. were having for new packaging, blah, blah, blah. So the name is subject to change, but Atlazon is 100% the, the, the set that is happening this fall. The, the art is real. The style is real, and the the feel of Atlazan, the name, is real. So this is this is what we're going off of. It is 100% accurate. We would have learned about it this Friday, but instead we're going to learn about it in June. And it's it's also really irritating that they pushed it so far forward because at no point in Magic's history since they've started unveiling sets in the future have we not known about the next set before coming into the set. They always tell you about the following set or block before a particular set comes out. This was a big deal back in uh, Scars of Mirrodin when they had to tell you about Mirrodin Pure or New Phyrexia. So in Mirrodin Besieged, you know, the pre-release was going to happen, but they alert you of the next set beforehand. And they didn't want to tell you the outcome of the war, so they created this idea that there'll be two sets and we'll we'll show them off to the public so they won't know until after the pre-release. But they did tell you what the name of, you know, one of the next sets was going to be. 
So at this point, we're going to be coming into Hour of Devastation knowing nothing, which is insane and irritating to no end. We've, we've already used our collective powers of to note that the Gatewatch is probably going to lose the fight with mm. uh, Nico Bolas. Going back to the opening paragraphs of this last magic story is, is quite, quite predictive of that. They came in with no intel, no plan, no plan and they just, and they just went with it and got rocked hard in five minutes. And so maybe they don't want to glean too far into future sets to give any indication of what happens or if, like, to what extent the devastation is going to be wrought on the Gatewatch. There's going to be another planeswalker who will basically act as the Yoko Ono who comes in and breaks up <laughs> the band and then I mean, the band that, goes that, her separate ways. That's already just Liliana <laughs> with Jace. She's the Yoko Ono. No, I, I She's going to break that, them all up. I think that actually, like, I actually think Chandra has a has quite a bit of affection for Lily in like a big sister, little sister kind of way, which is very cute. Um, but getting back to like Obnixilis and, and Vraska. It's just these different shades of like black mana, which I find very, very interesting. It's probably something we'll cover um, later on in another segment, I guess, just how... How many shades of black mana? Um, at, at least, least 50. 50. Okay, just making sure. At least 50 shades of black mana. But in this case, it's uh, really cool to see another mono black planeswalker taking a completely different riff on what we had expected. It's not just... Necromantic bolts of lightning. <laughs> it's also, I'm just going to suck the life out of your face. <laughs> Hot. Yep. But yeah, there's a lot of depth to black that, that people kind of just wash over and just say, oh, it's the bad guys. But yeah, why does Obnixilis just go from plane to plane killing everyone, though? Because that's what he wants to do. That's how he gets. That's how he gets off. That's how he gets his power. He also, you know, strips the planes of anything he could he could learn or, you know, gain more power from. But. It's like the greatest, the, the biggest hobby he could he could think of. <laughs> so, do we know anything about what happens to a plane when it dies? Like, does it just sit there empty, devoid of life, or does it like go away and not a clue? And disappear. Um, we, we don't and know what methods he used to destroy planes. Like, for example, if he caused imbalances in the mana, do you mean the plane might just destabilize, like Sarah's realm did, or he might have caused Eldrazi to show up at some point? Who knows? But he he went around killing planes. That was all we knew about him. Maybe the Eldrazi pay him to screw up the <laughs> They're in league. And clean it up and charge their fee. I don't, yeah. I don't think that they uh, necessarily pay him. But it is interesting to see that uh, Nixilis clearly could communicate with Kozilek and get him to wake up and come out of the earth. <laughs> wakey, wakey, Kazi baby. <laughs> Put on your awesome hat. <laughs> get up here. Get over here! But, I mean, we'll probably see Obnixilis again. He's definitely up there as one of the better villains that we have in a rogues gallery. I think the, the good villains tend to have horns. Yes, so we'll be seeing him again, perhaps not in the next couple of years, but certainly. He is he is an excellent bad guy, and I look forward to it. Yes, definitely very Machiavellian. Mm. Very, very ruthless. All right, so that is our, our show for today. Uh, Hope to see you guys again next time. Signing off, I'm Zach. I'm Michelle. I'm Justin. I'm Yosh. And we'll see you next time. Chuckle. Chuckle. What's a chuckle?
A what? There's like one of these things is a... Oh, never mind. That's just the translation of jackal. <laughs> a chuckle. Every day we chuckle in. Every day we're chuckling. Whoop, 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 I really just pulled it out of nowhere. That's pretty great. <laughs> degreaser, go degreaser. <laughs> you pull off the scopes and leave the hairs behind. And when you shake it, shake it, shake it like you're losing your mind. You never see them frown because they're the greasiest monoliths in town. 